Myers. He's got Chris Moore down the middle of the field. He's off to the races again. They are not going to catch Chris Moore, who is going to go 78 yards for another Cincinnati touchdown. So Kilpatrick drives all the way to the basket. Lefty shot. Good. 4.3 seconds left in overtime. He takes the shotgun snap. Short drop. Looking. Fires down the middle of the field. Caught by Kelsey. He's running away to the 30, the 20, the 10. It's a miracle. A touchdown for the Bearcats. Cumberland swerving into the lane. Great spin move. Right hand layup is good. Spin cycle. Adds fabric softener later. Adams on Gary Clark. Throws it back out to Troy Copain. 308 left. Evans for three. Got it from the left wing. Boy, was that a big one. Tony Pike waits for the snap. Has the football. Short drop. Lobs one down the sideline for Bins. He's got it. Welcome into episode nine of the Go Beer Cats podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brandon, and I have a pretty good show lined up here for you today, if I do say so myself. Uh, be sure to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Untapped, uh, and of course the blog, all of that at Go Beer Cats and GoBeerCats.com. Uh, we have an up and down week here for the Bearcats. I'm recording this on Sunday night post crosstown shootout we'll get to all of that in a little bit but uh first things first beer of the podcast this one's coming to you from prairie artisan ales this one is a barrel it's called barrel aged weekend uh, i saved it specifically for this episode since a little later on i will be joined by matt and ryan from the golden hurricast podcast uh two guys covering all things that that is Tulsa athletics. Uh, We have a nice conversation uh, about what to look out for in this week's uh, final game of the the regular season for uh, the football team. Uh, When I opened this beer, I failed to realize that it was 14% ABV. Uh, I figured it was, it would be kind of high. Uh, I didn't realize it was going to be 14%. Should have looked at that uh, a little closer but too late now it's open and it's poured so wish me luck as i try to power through this and not get completely hammered recording the show uh, this beer says it's uh, it's barrel aged bourbon barrel aged uh, looking at dark chocolate notes coconut vanilla and marshmallow uh, let's take a drink here see how she's drinking oh yeah that's a big beer uh, you get a lot from the barrel on the nose and, and right away uh, and I get I get more coconut and vanilla than anything else. Um, this is a big old stout. I love it. Hopefully, it keeps me warm as we as we go through the show. Uh, let's see if we can't uh, decide exactly when this beer uh, this beer hits me. Because uh, like I said, been uh, been watching the Bearcats basketball. We went down to Xavier today. Uh, and I've been drinking since before the game, so let's uh, let's knock this thing out. We'll start with basketball, and then we'll move to football. The UC Bearcats are finally in action. They uh, they started the season off Wednesday against the Lipscomb Bisons, uh, plural with the S. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this game here. Uh, just some some different thoughts that I had uh, from from the first impression is uh, I liked the the minutes Terry Eason or Tari Eason. I'm sorry, Tari Eason. Maybe the beer's kicking in already. Uh, Tari Eason played. Uh, looks like he's going to be like a junkyard dog type of guy. It's early, I know, but he put in good minutes and looks like he's going to get the dirty work done, and I can appreciate that. Keith Williams got into foul trouble a little early, limited his minutes. Mamadou did not look too impressive first game. Uh, you see uh, Coach Brandon chewing him out on the sidelines, and then he took a seat for a while. Bearcats were 0-10 from the three-point line uh, in the first half. That uh, that did not uh, bode too well. Bearcats were down most of the game. Uh, they did end up playing 11 guys. Um which was which was nice. I thought that uh, that rap had a good game and impressed at first sight. Davenport came in and was a spark plug just like he was last season, uh, provided a lot of energy. And then what I took notice is if you listen to the podcast, uh, the basketball season preview with Terry Nelson that I did, uh, he told us not to 
necessarily look at who started, but look and see who finished the game. So I made sure I watched that for the first game here because it was a little closer than, than what we probably would have felt comfortable with. So on the court, down the stretch, and to finish the game, you had Vote, Keith Williams, Davenport, DeJulius, and Micah Adams-Woods. Uh, so I don't know if those are going to be the closers, the guys that uh, you know Coach Brandon feels most comfortable with. But right now, uh, at least for the first game, that's who shut it out. Bearcats get the win. Uh, a little close, a little too close, but, hey, we got some basketball. You bring that to today, you had no idea what was going to happen in this Crosstown shootout. Xavier uh, come, came in 5-0. and They had three really close games. Uh, and it was an exciting game for most most of the most of the game. You had uh, back and forth. You know, you had the Bearcats down by four, up by four, and then just you know it was just back and forth. When you when you thought the the Bearcats swung momentum in their favor, they went down the court, did something stupid, and Xavier capitalized on a turnover or something, and uh, they never really caught that momentum. Definitely uh, not having the crowd there, I'm sure played a little bit of a part. Uh, but the Bearcats down the stretch just did not. You could tell, in my opinion, you could tell which team had played in several close games already and what team had not. Uh, and Xavier was was, was ready to uh, was ready to close that game out. As I as I read down my notes here, remember that uh, this is the only second game of the season. I think we got a long way to go, and so we can only go up. Uh, but there were some some glaring observations here that that I thought was was noteworthy to talk about uh, in the shootout here. So you have our seven foot one center Chris Vote, uh, who is a senior. Uh, he played 32 minutes and had one rebound. Uh, that is a major concern uh, in, in a game uh, like the Crosstown shootout. You have the biggest guy on the floor uh, by three or four inches. Getting one rebound, that's not going to uh, to get a whole lot done for you. Also, Mamadou, uh, he had one rebound, uh, and he looks lost again. Uh, in the first two games, probably not the start that he wanted to have of the season, and it looks like Mamadou of two years ago. Let's see if, if he can't straighten that out, but he looks, he looks a little lost. He looks confused and he's overthinking things he's not uh, just letting the game he's not feeling the game out uh he's trying to to he, he's inside of his head he's trying to to do too much when when we don't ask him to do a whole lot not impressed by mamadou so far david DeJulius, he put up 16 in the game nice showing from him on the offense uh but he could not guard scruggs uh, Scruggs, the senior point guard for Xavier, he usually add, uh, averages 12 points a game. He had 20 uh, earlier today and seemed like anytime he wanted to, he just drove right by DeJulius. Uh, late in the game, uh, it looked like uh, Keith Williams guarded him, uh, stopped him, by the way. He was trying to make a, an errant pass, and, and it was deflected by, by Keith. Um, I think... Micah Adams Woods guarded them at a time, and even uh, and even Mikey uh, Sanders guarded them for for a couple possessions. Uh, but DeJulius, for whatever reason, coach stuck with him on Scruggs, and he went right around him, what seemed like at will. I don't think I don't think Xavier missed a layup all game. <clears throat> Rap did not play hardly any help side defense. I, the commentators, you know, think of them what you will, but they had mentioned this as well. Not a whole lot of help side defense being played by Rap in the Crosstown shootout. He also, interestingly enough, uh, he shot more threes than anyone else. He shot six of them. He made two. I'm not a big fan of a shot. It's like a tuck and pull type of thing. Uh, doesn't look natural. Certainly not textbook. He went two for six. And the Bearcats in the first half went one for eight. So two games, uh, two very poor shooting efforts coming from the Bearcats in the first half. Missed layups was a concern. Down the stretch, you had uh, a couple guys, I believe it was uh, Micah Adams-Woods and Keith Williams, missed some clutch free throws that could have kept it close in the, in the uh, winding minutes. Keith, I believe, could have made two to tie it up and missed missed them both 
He he had a, a, a decent game overall though. He had 18, six and three. Not a, a terrible way to to go out your senior year in the Crosstown shootout, but he does drop to one and three overall. Not great. Davenport again uh, was a spark plug. Uh, that's I, I look for that trend to to stay all year long. Uh, providing some energy off the bench, getting stuff done. Uh, I believe his plus and I don't know what his plus and minus uh, is, but I know that it's got to be good. A couple other things here on the on the shootout. Zach Harvey played four minutes. Uh, some people on Twitter wanted to know where he was, why he was uh, MIA for most of the game. Didn't get a whole lot of opportunity to play at all. Uh, and also the Matson brothers didn't play at all in the game as well. So. Another crosstown shootout where Xavier shows up to win and Cincinnati shows up not to lose. And when you approach the game like that, uh, you can tell there's a big difference. And that's why one of the reasons why Xavier was able to pull it out of the end. But for the most part, I thought it was a fun game. Uh, wish we could have you know, closed out better in the last three or four minutes. Uh, kept it a little closer there and, and see what happened on the final possession. But it's not in the cards. Coach Brandon falls to 0-2 in the Crosstown shootouts. Uh, so we'll see what sort of magic he might have up his sleeve for next year. O- always tough to drop this one. But Bearcats are now 1-1. They play this Wednesday against the Furman Paladins. Uh, I had to look up what a Paladin one, what, what it was. I had no idea. Uh, it's like a fictional knight. Uh, I don't. I did. I stopped reading once. Once I recognized that, thought that was kind of weird, kind of unique. Uh, but hey, they're 4-0. So another undefeated team uh, coming in to play the Bearcats this Wednesday at 5 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, I'm not going to spend a whole much, a whole lot of time previewing that. The only uh, note I have here is to watch out for Mike Bothwell uh, for, for Furman. He's a junior wing from Cleveland Heights, uh, and he averages about 22 a game. And this season so far is shooting 67%. So... Uh, Watch out for him on Wednesday. See if the Bearcats can shut him down and play a little better defense than they did uh, today. So, and then Saturday, next Saturday, uh, won't have another podcast in between then and now. You have uh, the Tennessee Volunteers and the Cincinnati Bearcats going at it at 12:30. Uh, that's going to be a long day for Bearcats fans. Uh, that game's at 12:30. I believe that's on the SEC Network. But don't quote me on that. And then the Tulsa game is at 4 p.m. that same day. So it's going to be a long one. Uh, we'll see. Uh, love for the Bearcats to take you know both of these games. Uh, Tennessee has not played a game yet. They've been shut down or on pause thanks to the COVID guidelines and restrictions. Uh, I believe they start practice again this week. Uh, maybe on, on maybe tomorrow or, or Tuesday. I forget the exact day. Uh, but not a whole lot of, uh, of game time experience to come in uh, for Tennessee. So see if the Bearcats can't take these next two and, and get the season, the turnaround started a little earlier than, than uh, even we would like here. So basketball, still a lot, a lot of questions to be, to be answered. We'll, we'll see what happens here. I think the defense needs to take a step forward before the offense does the the offense if you make some more layups if you go back and look at all the layups or shots around the rims that we missed that if you take half of those we would we would have won the game overall you know free throws what wasn't horrible i think we only missed five but we we missed the five when it really mattered and really counted so we'll, we'll see how that how that turns around and, and see who gets uh, some more minutes and who doesn't uh, this week as we got two games in, in one week here as the season really starts to get going uh, with that said though uh, we're going to shift the focus here to football so it's been a while since the football Bearcats have been in action. Uh, last we saw them, they defeated Knights of Central Florida and uh, had the Temple game canceled due to, to COVID. So that leaves us Tulsa uh, earlier uh, this weekend. Yesterday, Tulsa defeated Navy 19-6 uh, to to lock up a spot in the conference championship. So in back-to-back weeks, 
the Bearcats will play the Golden Hurricane uh, first to end the regular season for the makeup game and then in the conference championship, much like last year with uh, Memphis and Cincinnati. Although COVID is the one that threw us the curveball this year, we should have already played uh, Tulsa. Uh, so now let's let's uh, let's get into our interview here with Matt and Ryan from the Golden Hurricast. Uh, they've been doing uh, their podcast for a while now. I like to. Uh, up- you know, welcome them into the show. You know, I will say before they jump on here that they were kind enough to have me on their show as well. So if you look up uh, the Golden Hurricast, wherever podcasts can be found, uh, they they featured me on, on their episode this week. Uh, asked me all kind of great questions that uh, some of their followers on Twitter thought up of. Uh, I try to describe to them what a Bearcat is, uh, as well as, you know, some keys for the Bearcats to uh, to beat Tulsa in the next two weeks. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, check that out after you, uh, you finish our interview here. So uh, without further ado, we'll welcome in Matt and Ryan to the Go Bearcats podcast. Gentlemen, how's it going out in Oklahoma? Brandon, it's going really well. Thank you very much for having us on. Um, really looking forward to talking Tulsa Cincinnati. I've got the doubleheader coming up, so it should be fun. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, for, for my listeners here that, that tune into all things uh, Bearcats or, or beer-related in, in Cincinnati uh, and might not be familiar with, with your show and, and the Golden Hurricast, uh, you know, tell us a little bit a, a little bit about it. You know, what's the, the motivation for it? Uh, how long have you done it? And, uh, you know, what... What do you guys? Uh, what What's the the purpose of it? What's What's the, the outlook for it? Yeah. So Matt and I, um, we were actually fraternity brothers back in college. We got started with this in. Uh, we graduated in 2017. Uh, we got started with this in 2018. So a year after we graduated. And the reason we started really was uh, there was a really really good podcast called the Rain Cane Sports Podcast um, back when we were in college and really enjoyed listening to that. They were doing a great job. They still do a blog post every now and then. Uh, still active on Twitter, but they stopped the podcast. And that, you know, they, they shut down, and that kind of made us want to take up the take up the reins, if you will, and get going with the Tulsa one, uh, fill the gap that was there. And so Matt and I stepped in, uh, started with the Golden Hurricast, and started up a blog last year uh, after doing the podcast alone for a year. Uh, started with the blog last season, and that's been a blast. Uh, we're really enjoying it. Um, we have suffered through some some terrible Tulsa football for the first two years of this. Uh, fortunately, year three of the podcast has been much more uh, successful in terms of the team that we're we're following on the football field. We did get a get pretty nice uh, basketball last year as well. So I've really been enjoying it, and it's been fantastic. Uh, that's awesome, and and you sort of segue, you know for me you know set me up pretty well here for you know this year Tulsa sits at six and one uh they're number 18 in the latest AP poll we'll see where they land uh Tuesday in the college football playoff poll I would assume they're somewhere in there as well what what is big the biggest turnaround for Tulsa football you know from last season to, to this one yeah, so early in the year, um, probably would have said Zach Smith and his emergence um, because he, you know, last year we were four and eight and not a great year, but I think most teams around the league would probably recognize that Tulsa had a talented team last season. And, and the large part of that was Zach Smith. The, uh, the two years before that, we were three and nine and two and ten. Um, and that was largely because we pretty much didn't have a quarterback. Uh, obviously, we had somebody out there playing, but the, the, the ball control was, was pretty lacking. Accuracy was pretty much non-existent. And with the kind of offense we play and really any kind of offense that you need in college football, you're not going to be successful if you don't have a, a competent person at quarterback. So in comes Zach Smith and big-time transfer from Baylor, right? Uh, had a lot of notoriety when he came to TU. Knew Philip Montgomery from Phillip's time at Baylor, so that's how that connection happened. And, you know, he he seemed to really take a step last year. He looked like the guy and he was going to lead us to the promised land. Right. We not a great record last season, but it was his his first year back. Um, And so we kind of cut him some slack. We lost some really, really close games last year uh, that we would have won had we had a a little bit of a better kicker. Um, But this season, it hasn't really been the story of Zach Smith. It's been the story of our defense. Zach Smith has honestly looked uh, pretty, pretty rough at times this year. Um, rougher than I think basically anyone would have guessed starting this season. Um, so so rough at times that it, it uh, 
people are arguing for honestly uh, what, what is technically our third string quarterback to be the starting quarterback against you guys next week uh, and in the conference championship game. So we'll see what happens with Zach. Uh, he's definitely got the arm talent. I think he's got the leadership capabilities, but something's going on with his uh, his mind. It seems that he's he's kind of in this zone where you know the 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 what people think right now about Tulsa football is the slow start, right? You've probably heard that. It's happened basically every game this season. And we look pretty terrible in the first quarter, mostly the first half of every game this year, aside from South Florida. Um, but every other game, it's been pretty rough. And then second half comes along, we kind of light it up. And nobody's been able to figure that out. And I think it's kind of in the team's head at this point, And they can't get out of their own heads now. And it's been a curse. And, uh, you know, that's been kind of the story of Zach Smith as well. And he's looked really bad early on. And then he kind of turns it around later in the game. However, um, against Navy, it just it never turned. Like, he looked bad early, and he looked bad the rest of the game as well. So I don't know what's going to happen uh, with, with Zach. I know Phil Montgomery is very dedicated to him, so I'd be surprised if a, if a quarterback change happened. Uh, but we need him to play a consistent game for that to turn around. The story of this year, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, has definitely been the defense. Um, they are playing lights out. I saw a, a tweet earlier today comparing uh, defensive efficiency in the in uh, all of college football and you guys are number five um, on a scale of 100 you've got an 81.5 in espn's defensive efficiency ratings and tulsa is right behind you at number seven and at 80.0 and we're both right there right and so i think the difference between the two of our teams is desmond ritter has turned it around in the second half of the season and we need zach smith to do a similar thing you know, you, you hit on a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, different points there. I'll, I'll try to circle back to all of them here. So you, first, you know, you mentioned uh, Tulsa. They're four and eight last year. You know, I was at the the Tulsa Cincinnati game at Nippert last year, where Zach Smith, you could you could say, struggled mightily. Uh, he you know had a long afternoon. I think he had two interceptions and three lost fumbles. Uh, but it's you know you said it's his first year. Uh, things aren't. Don't always go your way. A couple of kicks go, you know, get shoved in a different direction. You have a, a little different outcome. Um, but why? What is it that makes Zach Smith better this year compared to last year? Is it is it just the experience? Is it his decision making awareness? Uh, is the offensive line better? You know, what is it that that where he has stepped up to got that to get better? Yeah, so there's a. I'll take a two pronged answer to this. First, I don't. I would argue that maybe he hasn't gotten better this year. I think he's kind of stagnated and maybe declined slightly in, in parts of this year. Uh, but the reason that the success is there, along with our along with our defense, is definitely the offensive line, which he touched on last year. Um, it was very experienced, but he was getting hit early and often, and it was it was it was pretty tough for him back there. And that's kind of what we put his sometimes his lack of performance on was the offensive line. Uh, this year, man, they are playing significantly better. There have been some rough games um, in the season, but overall, large improvement on the offensive line side. Um, so I'd, I'd point to that as to the more consistent success, although saying consistent success in Tulsa's offense in the same sentence doesn't really fit. Uh, it's been a very erratic season uh, on the offensive side. The defense is absolutely the 6-1 and one record that we have now in the, in the number 18 ranking. So I'd put all, almost all of the success on the defensive side, although um, the team does seem to rally around Zach, and he definitely gets it done. You know, he'll, he'll make you suffer for a while, but he'll turn it around and get the win at the end of the game. And, and you mentioned, uh, you know, the defense and, and how they've turned it around, and that's, uh, you know, I don't know if, if you guys would agree to this, but I would probably say, you know, the leader of the defense for Tulsa so far uh, has been Zaven Collins. Uh, a linebacker is it uh, you know is it his show or, or is it more by committee and, and he gets you know he gets the credit what what is it about the defense that that gets the job done yeah so I mean it's, it's pretty much a Zayvon Collins show I mean there we have a hell of a defense don't get me wrong but he is the unquestioned leader on that side of the ball um, he's up in you know he's he's the likely the front runner uh, for the Buckus Award the best linebacker in college football um, he's up there for the Benderick Award. He got a couple Heisman votes in ESPN's latest poll. Um, the guy is playing out of his mind. And he was a big-time player for us last year. Uh, and then as a freshman, he was a freshman All-American. So it's not like he's coming out of nowhere. Um, but, man, the, the level he's at this season has been so far and away better than anyone else, you know, that I've seen 
in, in the American. And I know since he's got some incredible players on their on the defensive end there as well. So I don't want to take away from them at, at all. But Zayvon Collins is a, is a different different beast. The guy is is, a, is an amazing player. Um, so I definitely say he's the he's the leader on that side of the ball. Um, however, there's it's not only him. Um, guys like Jackson Flair, who had a, an absolutely amazing game against Navy just yesterday, um, and then. You know, he, he's uh, on our D-line. He's having a great season. He's been good for us in the past as well, but he's getting comparisons to Aaron Donald all of a sudden, which is kind of extreme, you know, but he's uh, I, w- I won't take away from him. He's a, he's a hell of a player. And then what has been the calling card for our defense has been our secondary, um, our corners and safeties, right? So we have big-time size really all across our defense, but specifically um, our defensive backs. And so – Guys like Allie Green and a Caleb Evans, those guys are both 6'2", 6'3", long, rangy, fast, uh, can turn their hips and shift real quick. Um, they're going to cover you, and they get in your face and are like mean dudes. They love to get in your face and talk trash. And, you know, as much as that sometimes is not great because we've had some uh, unsportsmanlike penalties called on us uh, in, in recent games. But I love the factor of intimidation that those guys bring to the defense. And then at the safety spot, there's like a, just a laundry list of guys that have come in and done a great job there uh, this year. Ty Neal Martin's been kind of the, the, the mainstay guy, but Christian Williams has played great. LJ Wallace has been back there a few times. Um, really, this defense is the best defense. I've, you know, I, I came to Tulsa in 2013 from Missouri and have been a fan since then, right, since college. And this is the best, easily the best Tulsa defense I, I've ever seen. So I am, I'm over the moon about these guys. There's a ton of talent, and Zayman Collins leads the group. And, you know, I'm not, uh, I can't say that I'm a, a, a huge, you know, historian of Tulsa sports, but you guys are, are ranked 18 in the AP poll right now. Uh, when was the last time Tulsa's been ranked uh, in, in the AP or, or in the top 20? Yeah, so uh, I just looked this up today, right? So I'm glad that I, I did look this up, otherwise I wouldn't know the answer. But the answer to that, we haven't been number 18 or better since 1952, which is a hell of a long time. Wow. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I know. It, it surprised me as well because uh, we've had some, some really good teams in those years but have never gotten uh, past 18. Um, we were number 19, um, I think, much more recently. I don't know when that was, uh, but 19 has happened a couple times, you know, at least in the past 20 years. Uh, but 18 specifically has been uh, the high for a while back, okay. back since 1952. So let's, I'm, you know, looking at your schedule here, uh, you guys kick the season off uh, against number 11 at the time, Oklahoma State, in a close game, a 16-7 to loss. Uh, and, you know, going down, you know, you've beat Central Florida, the who's number 11 at the time. Uh, you know, maybe you guys just have, have it out for the number 11 team, uh, whoever it is at the time. And then, you know, you, got, you guys have beaten everyone else that, uh, you know, has stepped up in, in the conference uh, number 19, SMU, you guys have a four-point win over. You have a, a you know an epic double overtime win over Tulane. Uh, minus the South Florida game where it looked like, you know, it's it a 42-13 win. Every other game looks like it's been, you know, pretty close. You know, pretty, uh, maybe even, you know, like they say it's emotional, you know, for, for college players, you know, to play in, in close games like that. I wouldn't say that was the case for, for uh, the Navy win yesterday. I, I think... That game wasn't as close as as the score uh, might lead you to believe, in 19 to six. But what is it that that's that's allowed Tulsa to to win these close games or or push you know push them over the edge to to make sure that they close out? Uh, I would, if I had to drill it down to two words, it would be luck and defense. And <laughs> defense is definitely the bigger of the two. There has certainly been some luck. I mean, you can point back to Tulane and that Tulane game. You know, so the, the big story of the year for Tulsa has been slow starts and then crazy finishes to win the game. And they have only gotten slow. The starts have only gotten slower as the season has gone on. The Tulane game was the slowest start of the year up to that point. And then I'd say the Navy game was, you know, arguably even slower. Uh, but fortunately, Navy never really scored. So we didn't have to worry about it. Uh, but Tulane, uh, man, zero to zero at halftime. And mm-hmm. then we were down 14 with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. And our third-string quarterback is in the game. Zach Smith is out. Our second-string guy, Seth Boomer, also out. He's now out for the year. And so Davis Brin, our third-string guy, who we've never seen play in a live game, comes in down 14. And we win that. We you know throw a Hail Mary pass as time expires to go to overtime. 
and J.C. Santana, our, our, I think he's a junior, sophomore receiver, I can't remember what year off the top of my head, uh, comes down with that ball in the back of the end zone. And that was just a chuck, you know. He just chucked it up in the air and hoped for the best. And don't get me wrong, it was a great throw. Uh, but Santana just went up and beat everybody. And there's definitely a degree of luck in that. And, you know, then we go on to double overtime and Zayvon Collins uh, returns a pick six for a touchdown uh, to win the game. And so defense and luck, there it is. I mean, it happened that game and it's happened in many other games. Um, so that's kind of how we stuck around. The offense has not matched the defense this year uh, in terms of performance and consistency on the field. And if we can somehow turn around and the offense can match what we're doing defensively, it's going to be an awesome game against Cincinnati. Let me ask you another question here uh, as far as the schedule is concerned. So, uh, you know, with, with COVID, everything's crazy. Nothing's the way that it was. Uh, Tulsa's had a, you know, a couple games postponed or canceled. Uh, but, I mean, this, so the Cincy game gets uh, rescheduled right away. I think, you know, the conference, uh, the way Tulsa was trending, you know, they needed that game to happen. Uh, so, you know, we tack on, uh, you know, the game here at the end of the regular season. But Tulsa also had uh, the Navy game originally postponed and the Houston game. Uh, what, so I guess my question is, why did Tulsa or who decided that Tulsa should play Houston instead of Navy? Or, or, or what, 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 how did the schedule work out that way to, to remake the Navy game but not the Houston game? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Um, I don't really know the answer. I don't know if Houston didn't have the open week this week and maybe did or, or what happened there. Um, so I don't have a good answer for you there. But, yeah, we have had, we, I think the number is six uh, games that have been impacted by COVID, including our first game that was supposed to be against Oklahoma State uh, was postponed a week just to the next week. So not really a big deal there. Um, but six total games. And um, only the Oklahoma State one-week postponement was caused by anything on Tulsa's side. So, Everything else and the other teams kind of getting in on us and uh, causing some unfortunate trouble. Uh, but most of those have been remade uh, in one way or the other. Some of them have not, obviously. But uh, that's how it's gone this year. But no, I don't know why it was the Houston uh, or it was the Navy game that got replayed instead of Houston. Um, I'm sure there is a good answer, but I don't know it. You know, as you're talking there, I'm pretty sure Houston was supposed to play SMU. Uh, this weekend, oh, and, right. and that yeah. game got that got game got canceled. So I'm sure it was you know Houston didn't have the open week, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, that, I don't know. I, th- I thought that was interesting. So I mean that sets up Cincinnati uh, and Tulsa and back to back weeks with with Tulsa beating Navy. You know that guarant- I think that guaranteed them the the spot in the championship game. So for two years in a row, the American Athletic has back to back matches between the the two teams that. Uh, yeah. that are going to play each other for the championship last year being, being Cincinnati and Memphis this year, Cincinnati and Tulsa. Uh, what, what are you looking for, uh, for these games? You know, what's, I mean, probably, you know, can, can Tulsa beat Cincinnati and back to back weeks, you know, if they can, you know, what is the, what's the, the biggest factor there that, that you'll look back and say, wow, we did this well, or we did this better than expected, you know, to win the games. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Can we win both games against Cincinnati? And we're going to talk about this on our episode as well. And so I had thought about this, you know, obviously coming in. Um, And it's going to be tough, right? There's no getting around that. It's not going to be the easiest thing in the world to do. Uh, Cincinnati is number eight in the SP Plus rankings, which we are big believers of uh, on the Hurricast. Tulsa is number number 41, right? So it's not like they are right there. Uh, you know, Tulsa's number 18 in the AP poll and currently 24 in the CFP, but we'll see how far we, we jump this week on Tuesday. But that is, uh, you know, 41 to 8 in SP Plus is not neck and neck teams necessarily. Um, the chance that we win both is, is pretty slim, obviously. I, I do think there's a chance, uh, and this is my thought process here. So when we play you guys on the 12th, uh, the Bearcats won't have played a game in 21 days. So. What I'm hoping for and what I'm desperately telling myself is that Cincinnati's going to be rusty and maybe we'll get the jump on them early and that our defense will be able to hold them down. However, when I ever say jump on somebody early, there's literally no way that that happens. It hasn't happened all year aside from the South Florida game, and South Florida is just very bad. So I don't think that's going to ha- I don't think we're going to jump on, on Cincy early. What we do need is for the defense to hold like hell because that's what they've done this year. Um, 
and that's what we're going to need to happen for sure against Cincinnati unless our offense does something totally uncharacteristic, which I am all for if they can do that, but I would be very surprised. So we need the defense to keep playing like they're playing. Uh, Cincinnati has obviously done very well this year. However, like I mentioned earlier, Cincinnati and Tulsa have unquestionably the two best defenses in this conference. So Cincinnati hasn't played a defense like Tulsa's the rest of the season. So I'm very excited to see how Desmond Ritter performs against our secondary and against our defense in general. Um, whether Zayvon Collins and the rest of our linebacking core and defensive line will be able to keep him um, contained on the ground because I know he's got some real wheels on that guy. Uh, and that's been a problem for us in the past. We haven't faced ton, a ton of really quick running quarterbacks this year, so not a great sample size to take from. But that's something I'm definitely keeping my eye on is how, how well we can contain Desmond Ritter's feet. And then, I mean, the big thing that we need, and I don't think there's a way that we can beat Cincinnati if it doesn't happen, is we need Zach Smith to turn the corner. He's been stagnant this year. Uh, slow starts have been the name of his game all season. And we, that, I mean, it's just, there's no getting around the fact that if that happens again, we're not going to be able to make these crazy comebacks like we've done all year against a team like Cincinnati. They're, the defense is too good, and I just don't think that's going to happen. And, you know, you, you bring something up, you know, about like hot starts here for Tulsa and something that I would have, uh, you know, wish I would have mentioned on your uh, your podcast, the Golden Hurricast, was that Cincinnati is putting together these, like, almost now trademark third quarter drives. So, you know, they, they, uh, they win the, the coin flip and, you know, they defer until the second half. And then in this, when we get the ball out of, out of halftime, we're taking eight... 10, 12 minute long drives, you know, to start off the second quarter and just, or the third quarter and just milking the clock. So if you have a, a hotline to coach Montgomery, uh, you might want to tell him to, to, if he wins the toss, give, you know, give Cincy the ball uh, to start the game. Cause for whatever reason that, that patented, you know, milk the clock drive to start off the third quarter it has done wonders, uh, especially in the, the UCF game, uh, you know, that's, will have been 21 days ago uh, when, you know, the Bearcats kick off again. Yeah, uh, and that's scary, right? I, I hate hearing stuff like that because I mean, it just happened to us yesterday against Navy. Navy's first drive, I think it was their first drive, the third quarter was like seven and a half minutes or eight minutes or something like that. And it was still a tie game at that point. Like, it was six to six. And we were like, oh, man, if Navy's going to drive down the field for eight minutes and score and then our offense is still going to do nothing, we're in for a bad end of this game. Fortunately... We hit the 66-yard, like, crazy touchdown pass right after that and kind of flipped the script on them. But it was definitely a scary way to start that start that half, and that is something I would love to avoid against Cincinnati. Well, for sure. And, and you, you bring up that, that big play against Navy, and I was I didn't watch the whole game uh, yesterday, but I, I watched a lot of it, and I you know was lucky enough to, to turn it on right as uh, Tulsa was making that play. So that brings me <laughs> to my next question. You know, you, you, we talk about Zach Smith and, and the quarterback that he's become, but who is it? Uh, is it uh, you know is it is it more of a deep threat that that Tulsa has on offense, or or what is it that uh, or what weapons I guess I should say does Zach Smith have to to work with that Bearcat fans might not know about? Yeah, so last year, the big-name receiver that came back again this year was Keelan Stokes, and he is actually the younger brother of one of Tulsa's great receivers, uh, Keelan, uh, Keevan Lucas. And he was back on the 2016 team when we were, uh, you know, 10-3, and three, were, were killing people on offense, had, a, had a, honestly a pretty bad defense, but we were it was like the opposite of this team. We were smoking people offensively and then giving up a lot of points. This year, uh, we are, we're kind of doing the opposite. The defense is running the show, and we're just trying to get by on offense. Um, but Keelan Stokes is a hell of a receiver. He's having, honestly, kind of a down year. We were just talking about it before we jumped on to uh, to talk to you on our show. Um, he's not even our, you know, he's arguably not our leading receiver this year. In terms of touchdowns, he has two on the year. Uh, who we thought was going to be the third string receiver, kind of the number three receiver, I should say. Uh, Josh Johnson has six. Um, Keelan Stokes is leading the team in receiving yards. And so he's definitely getting the targets and the yardage. But he's not finding the end zone quite as often as Josh Johnson uh, he and Josh both have 35 catches on the year, though. So it's those two seem to be the, the one and two on the receiver side. Um, there is a younger guy, and I, I can't remember if I mentioned this on my show or if it was earlier on this show right now, uh, but J.C. Santana uh, has been the been the clear number three so far this year and is looking really, really good as a younger guy. So those are the receivers. Um, in terms of running back, uh, early, you know, before the season started, the clear one and two that 
it was the same one too we had last year was going to be Shamari Brooks and Corey Taylor. And Shamari Brooks is, in my opinion, an all-conference style running back. He's a really, really talented guy, super shifty in between the tackles. Um, but he got hurt towards ACL before the Oklahoma State. So we lost him for the year. And so we're like, okay, it's going to be Corey Taylor and somebody else. And it ended up being Daneric Prince. And Daneric Prince, I mean, played great. Has been doing really well. His usage has gone down for whatever reason. I, I don't honestly couldn't tell you why that has happened. Um, and it's been kind of a, you know, it's, it's consistently, you know, with Tulsa has been kind of a running back by committee style. Um, but this year it's been like kind of on another level. We have had games where Corey Taylor has been the lead back. We've had games where TK Wilkerson, who's from right here in town, uh, be the lead back. We've had games where generic Prince is the lead back. And just last week we had a new guy step in um, because TK Wilkerson got hurt and Christian Lovick, another young guy uh, come in and actually break off some nice runs. So, the running back is definitely a committee group. Um, I would say the receivers are more dangerous uh, than the running backs this year, but um, both have some real talent on them. That, that's good stuff. You you took my next question away from me and talking about the the Tulsa running attack with with those three guys. That seems like it's you know I don't know whoever's feeling 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 it the that day is is the leading rusher. They've each of the three you know put up uh, decent numbers this year. Uh, in, in whatever game. Uh, so let me ask you this. So so we know Zayvon Collins, the linebacker, uh, you know, he's the stud on defense. If it's not Zayvon Collins, who is it that's going to make a big play, you know, cause a turnover uh, or, you know, intercept Ritter? Uh, you know, he's lately he's been good for about one a game. Uh, if it's not Collins, who is it on, on the toss of defense that's going to get it done? Yeah, it's tough to pick one, right? I mean, because yeah, Zayvon would be the easy answer if we were not if we weren't excluding him because he's he's certainly the leader on the defensive side. But man, if there's going to be somebody who's going to get a turnover, it's got to be one of our one of our big time corners. And I would put it on Allie Green. Seems to be the more aggressive of the two. Um, our corners are are real good athletes. Both of them have a chance to play professionally. Allie Green and Caleb Evans both um, big, long, rangy corners can run uh, tall. You know, six two, six three between the two of them. And they, they do a great job in the secondary. And they talk a lot of trash. They like to talk trash. They like to get in their face. They'll, you'll see them man up, like, right on the line of scrimmage against these guys. Um, so I've definitely, you know, matchups to watch are the corners going against y'all's receivers. So that's definitely one. Um, the other, you know, big-time guy, there's two more, I think. One is uh, Jackson Player, who I know we talked about on our show. And the guy, the guy's awesome. He's on our D-line, right? And he had a good year last year and has really broken out really, really heavily this year. Uh, mostly in the second half, and had his best game of the season, unquestionably, against Navy yesterday. Uh, so I definitely keep an eye on him. And then finally, uh, a guy who everybody is really high on coming into this year, and now you know he's proving his worth, is a uh, young sophomore, Kendarren Ray. And Mon- Philip Montgomery's on the record saying that he thinks Kendarren Ray can be, the be one of the best safeties, if not the best safety, to ever play at Tulsa. Uh, and you can see why. He has a ton of raw talent. Has made, uh, you know, he's... The, the play that comes to mind for me in terms of what he can be but just barely misses right now because he's a young dude is a beautifully played ball, deep ball, back of the end zone. He timed it perfectly, uh, cut off the guy, just bounced right off his hands. right So he's got all the athleticism in the world, uh, got all the speed, got all the intangibles, um, but he's just a little bit young. But he, he'd be a guy who I think can make an impact in this Cincinnati game as well. That's good. That's good stuff. And and uh, you know, Ryan, Matt, I just have uh, you know a couple more, two more questions here for you. Uh, respect. I want to respect your time. I uh, certainly appreciate you guys jumping on here with me. You know, it was uh, very super fun to, to jump on your guys's podcast as well. Uh, so let let me ask you guys this, and I like to ask uh, any of the guests that I have on my show this question when it comes to their team, and. Uh, it's this. So Cincinnati, uh, you know, we struggled out of the gate uh, in, in the season, and, and a lot of uh, fans called for, you know, Des Ritter to sit and bring up, uh, you know, the backup quarterback, Ben Bryant. And it, and even in, uh, you know, the rest of the season, as we sat here undefeated in number eight or number seven in the country, excuse me, uh, the, I can still find fans right now that are miserable about something, uh, whether whether it be, uh, you know, we've uh, Central Florida scored too many points or, you know, uh, our, our receivers dropped too many passes or, or whatever it may be. And I think this is this is the fault of having the Cincinnati Bengals in the same city with us that we can't enjoy 
the the yeah. good things while they're happening. Do you experience that, uh, you know, with, with uh, Tulsa and their athletics as well, or is that just a Cincinnati thing? <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's probably consistent uh, with, with Tulsa. I mean, we don't have a professional sports league in town that, that's doing that. We do have the Do you want box, the Bengals? But... I will give them to you today. <laughs> no, I think I'll pass on the Bengals, to be honest with you. Damn it. All right, I'll no, I do love Joe Burrow, so that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but, he, uh, but he's one-legged now, thanks to a shoddy <laughs> offensive line. Who who didn't yes. see that coming? But All right, but go yes, on, go true. on. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, there's always something to complain about. And, I mean, Tulsa, like I said, this is our highest rank ranking since 1952 with number 18. And there are, you know, an uncountable number of people who are very, very, very upset, justifiably with our offense. You know, it's, it's been a lack in our offense and honestly our head coach, Philip Montgomery, who calls our plays and is our offensive coordinator as well. Um, so, you know, I see why that's happening with Tulsa. We have so much talent on the defensive end and the offense just isn't there to match it. And that's what our head coach is doing. Like he's the OC, like I said, he calls all our plays. So he's responsible for that. And people are justifiably unhappy with how the offense has been performing. Um, so I see why that is, uh, but even if, you know, the offense was firing on all cylinders every game, I'm sure there'd be something. Um, but yeah, like, man, I have, I have so much respect for Cincinnati as a program. They, I, I can't speak highly enough of how I think about Luke Fickle and the job he's doing there. And the fact that he isn't just jumping for the next job. I love that a lot. I love Marcus Freeman as a DC. He seems like a top notch guy. Like I said, when you were on our show, I think he's the perfect fit if Luke Fickle does jump for another head coaching job. I, I feel like it's got to be Marcus Freeman that takes over that head coach spot. I, I would love that pick. I think he'd do an awesome job. So love Cincinnati as a program. I definitely understand uh, fans being unhappy with whatever they're unhappy about in Cincinnati because people like to be unhappy um, and make their voice heard, and it's easy to do that when things are going bad. So I get, I get it for sure, but I, uh, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Cincy. Appreciate that for sure, and, and good to know we're not the you know not the only uh, fan base out there that's uh, you know has the, the miserable factions no matter what. That's that's good to know. It makes me feel a little bit better here. Uh, for sure. Because I don't because uh, you know Cincinnati we lost to Xavier today, so we should uh, yep. we should undoubtedly fold up the basketball program and uh, you know just <laughs> yeah. try again next year. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll I'll see that as well when I scroll Twitter here in a little bit. Uh, Absolutely. But, um, you know, so we have we have Tulsa. It's, it, you know, it's it's already written. We have Tulsa back-to-back weeks to end the regular season. Uh, this will be the – even though there's a huge gap in uh, in the games, this will be UC's third uh, road game in a row, uh, you know, which wasn't originally planned like that, uh, mm-hmm. but the game got postponed. So so winner of this of the first game uh, will decide where the, uh, the championship game is held. Uh, so – for you guys, you know, the last question here, can I get your official prediction for game one? Yeah, so I'm going to give you actually my two-game prediction. Here. Okay. And it's my <laughs> it's my galaxy brain idea of what's going to happen that is definitely not actually going to happen. So what I what I want, you know, not what I want, what I want would be both, you know, to also to win both of them. However, I, I wouldn't predict that or, bet, or really bet money on it. What I am going to predict is Tulsa comes out and – is kind of status quo Tulsa that they have been all year. Rough start, start the game, looks ugly. Zach Smith stays in there the whole game, um, and we lose probably not that close of a game. Uh, You know, I'd give it like a 10-point margin. Um, Second game, Galaxy Brain idea, is that in between games one and two, everyone's calling for Zach Smith to get benched in favor of Davis Brin, Philip Montgomery, um, stands behind his man as he has all year and claims that Zach Smith is, is the guy, is the guy for us. He's our starter. Uh, he's gotten us to this point. He's going to finish it. But then we flip the switch and Davis Brin comes out, starts the game, uh, hopefully surprises all of Cincinnati, and we win the conference championship. Much to the chagrin of the entire conference because that would spoil the New Year's Six spot uh, for the American, which I would feel bad about, but also not because I definitely want a Tulsa Conference Championship. So, that's my prediction. I think we lose the first one, win the second one. Um, and I think Matt might be having audio issues, so I'm not sure if he can hear us. But that's my All right. All right. Um, all right. So, so I'll, I'll throw you my, my prediction for the, for the first game here. You said a 10-point margin. Uh, I think, I think that, that might sound about right. I, I would give it, I'd give it two touchdowns the first time. 
uh, give a 14-point margin, and then that gap will close in the second game. Uh, I think the game will be much closer. Uh, you know, the, the, the second game last year with Cincy and Memphis was close. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, of course, I'm going to be a homer here. I'm going to say Cincy takes them both. But I think that uh, that second game will be a dogfight. And, uh, you know, I think we'll, we'll say uh, we'll say Cincy, Cincy by six in the second game, uh, but not without uh, pacemakers and and resuscitation coming from from a lot of people here in Cincinnati for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, I think it's going to be it's going to be a trench fight. I mean, I'm really like like I mentioned earlier, you know, we've got the number five and the number seven. Or what was that? Was that what it was? I was looking at the defensive efficiencies. Yeah. Number five and number seven defenses in all of college football playing in the same game in the same conference for the conference championship two games in a row, basically. So yeah, really, the I'm only two teams, really the only two teams in the conference that play defense. Uh, yeah, yeah. For whatever I mean, reason, dude, you're not wrong. It is. It's been a bad defensive year for the American. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Ryan uh, and, and Matt. Uh, even though Matt, we might be having some uh, technical difficulties here. Uh, you know, what else uh, do the listeners need to know about the Golden Hurricast and or anything else you want to plug or shout out right now? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So we uh, we're we're mostly on Twitter. Um, it's at Golden Hurricast. We know know the in the Twitter handle. It's too short um, or too long for for Twitter. So we are at Golden Hurricast on Twitter and Instagram, uh, but primarily Twitter these days. Uh, we have a website as well where we do all of our blog stuff as well as some podcast news and some other things over there. And that is thegoldenhurricast.com. So feel free to check that out if you want. Uh, and then obviously our podcast is on um, hopefully anywhere that you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Overcast, all those things. So probably find us anywhere and happy to happy to talk to also whenever you want. So Brandon, man, thanks a lot for having us on the show. I'm really glad. I, I meant to m- mention this on, on uh, our show, but really glad that you guys are that you're doing this because i mean clayton truder doing a hell of a job with down the drive but i don't think they have a podcast right uh nothing i'm aware of no yeah so like i i've been looking forward to getting somebody uh that's running a podcast coming on to talk in cincinnati so very glad that you started it up and it was a pleasure man i appreciate it you know hopefully it continues to grow uh you know each every week you know i have you know a lot more fun doing doing the, the episodes uh and maybe uh once we get things rolling here uh, with basketball season, and we see how that's going to play out, uh, maybe we'll, we'll come back together and talk some hoops. Sounds great. We'd definitely be down. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Brandon. I want to thank Matt and Ryan for jumping on the podcast here with me this evening. We had a little technical difficulty with Matt. Uh, he wasn't able to, to chime in here, uh, but Ryan uh, held his own uh, with me, and I appreciate that. Until next week, cheers and go Bearcats.